Good grief. <laughs> Is grief actually good? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Today, we're going to spend some time in this episode talking about grief, the stages of grief, uh, what it looks like to go through grief, how do you go through grief. I think we've all experienced grief in, in some form or fashion, whether it's the, the death of a loved one, um, you know, the loss of a friendship the death of a job or a career or the death of a relationship. There's so many different ways that we can experience grief or loss. And so let's just talk a little bit about that today in the episode. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Timmy Gibson here for the Timmy Gibson show. Today, we're going to talk about grief. And can I say it like that? We're going to talk about grief. Yee, yay. <laughs> Oh man, uh, like I said in the little intro, good grief is is grief good? I, you know, I think my perspective, right, my opinion, anything can be turned for the good. I I, I really believe that. I don't think that just comes from my, you know, my religious upbringing. Uh, you know, I'm not religious now, but my religious upbringing always taught me that, you know, all things work together for the good, you know, so no matter what happens um, or what you go through, there's, there's a, there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow or at the end of that storm, or, you know, you can't have a rainbow without a, a rain, you know? <laughs> so, you know, my, my personal kind of slant on life is such that, um, you know, you take, the, you take the good, you take the bad. <laughs> That's the facts of life. I mean, uh, grief is, is it's part of life. I mean, grief is something that, um, we've all faced. Uh, I mean, if you're super young, maybe you haven't faced any kind of an enormous, um, you know, any kind of, uh, big maybe loss or grief right but surely you've you know even if which I, I wouldn't even think there's kids listening to this but hey little kids i'm sure you've had a you know a toy taken from you right and you've grieved the loss of that that blankie or that stuffed animal or that binky or what uh what they call a pacifier oh my lord i remember oh that brought back a memory of trying to uh wean uh, my daughter off of her, her binky, huh? It was, uh, it was difficult. Like I seriously, she's 22 now. And I thought I wouldn't be surprised. If she's has a binky now in her purse. Maybe <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, with anything in life, right? It's not so much about what happens to you that matters most. It's about how we respond uh, to what has happened to us. You know, it's our attitude, it's our perspective, it's our outlook. It's, it's, it's what we decide it to be. So, you know, grief, I guess can, can be good. It can work good in you, but you know, grief's not fun. Uh, I, I wouldn't think it, I don't think it's fun. I, I went through, um, the grieving process. Um, I would even say it's still there. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure at what point that, that you don't have grief. Uh, you know, I've had some friends tell me, you know, it took them a couple of years. I've had some say it took me four years I've some said, you know, it's still did. I mean, I think the death of anything or anyone, um, you know, it can linger for a while. I think what makes the difference is what you do in the meantime. I think there are healthy ways to grieve and then, of course, unhealthy ways to grieve. And and I'm sure I've touched on this topic before in my, in my podcast just because these are principles that are, are true in dealing with loss, dealing with, you know, anything. So, um, I think grief can work something 
in us that really nothing else can. So I think grief is brought on by uh, a loss of any kind. For example, like what I went through, so kind of rewind, um, I really never grieved the loss of my biological father who died when I was like 21, 22, I think ish 20, I was around that age. And, and he died a, a really, you know, he's very young. He was 37 or 38. He may have just turned 38. And so, yeah, I would have been in my early, in my early twenties. You know, I wasn't very close to him. So, uh, the grief I think was, was deep. It wasn't surface level because I really didn't have a relationship with him. Um, but still, you know, I mean, it, it was the person that's responsible for me being, uh, you know, on this planet in the sense of without his contribution, <laughs> without his sperm, I wouldn't be here. Uh, so, you know, when he died, that was kind of my first, uh, my first big loss. And then uh, my grandma, which I called Nani, she passed away. And of course, you know, she also died young. I think she was in her sixties. Uh, you know, cancer is never a, a pleasant thing. Um, hence the reason why I eat so healthy and exercise and all that. Cause I ain't ever getting cancer. Um, and then, you know, the, the early death of my sister, um, she was in her forties, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. I want to, yeah, I think that's right. Um, so she died young and then, uh, not too long after she passed away, my papa, my, my, my grandpa passed away. And, you know, usually when someone, when someone passes and they're in their late eighties and early nineties, it's still grief, right? Any kind of loss is, is, is a grief, right? I mean, it, it, it's all grief, um, or it's all a loss, which then can lead to grief. Um, but I think it's a little bit easier to handle grief. That is, uh, more normal. Is that, yeah, I think that's a, that's be the correct way to say it. I mean, when it's, when it follows the, the normal patterns of life, right? Your grandparents pass and then your parents pass, right? Uh, and anytime anything's out of order, it, it the grief, I think, seems to be intensified, you know? Um, my, the grief I, re, I kind of went through with my grandpa, excuse me, was, was more of a normal process than what the grief I experienced with the death of my sister which part of what I'm going to talk about today is I, I didn't allow myself to grieve, which was part of the problem of what I went through in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, it's no excuse. I'm not using that as an excuse. Like that's why I went crazy. No, that, that's not, I mean, no, but it's just like my, you know, counselor says it's, well, he's Timmy, it's your part of your story. I mean, that's part of your story, right? I mean, if, if someone's asking for your story, then you got to include that part because that, that helps explain some things, doesn't justify them, but it helps to give a context, right? So context, right? So, um, and then, you know, the, then ultimately the, the death of my, uh, marriage, a, a 25 year marriage coming to an end that, you know, going through the grief of that, um, you know, life, life, uh, I would think it'd be impossible to go through life without grief or loss, but again, how we deal with it is what matters most. So let me, let me real quick. I just pulled up on the website, on a, a website, a, a psychiatric website or a psychiatric, a psychology website. <laughs> we all, we all are psych. We all need to be put in a psychiatric home. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, the five stages of grief. Uh, this, I just, let's see, I just Googled the five stages of grief because I'm, I'm familiar with the five stages of grief, but I didn't want to try to remember them off the top of my head. So here they are five stages of grief. Well, you know, actually, and also real quick before I move on the grief of loss. I mean, it, it, it could be a job career. Um, it could be a friendship. It could be a million things. There, there are so many, honestly, 
I grieved a little bit the loss of my car. I had a car that I had for 12 years and I had to get rid of it for a lot of reasons that I don't want to discuss here. But one of the reasons I got rid of it is, you know, every year I had to charge up the AC thing and, and there was a slow leak and there was, you know, there was, the, there was a, starting to be some issues because it had like 405,000 miles on it. But I'd had that car for 12, like 12 years. And I don't know, some of you might be shocked by that, that, you know, there's, there's one thing about me that everybody has their thing, right? Like I have a friend that every two years he gets a new car every two years and he just leases it. So every two years he just gets a new, you know, whatever the latest and greatest is. Well, I've never wanted a big car payment and I didn't, I don't need the latest and greatest, you know, for me, a car is to get from point A to point B. Honestly, I, I really don't care. Like literally for me, and I mean this with all honesty, I do like to have a radio. Okay. I do like to have music or a thing, you know, so I can play podcast or music or whatever. So for me, a car is as long as it has, you know, wheels, an engine, a steering wheel, like, you know what I mean? Like point A to point B, like get me there. Now I will say this because that, you know, I gotta be honest and tell the truth here and be, you know, forthcoming. I do like nice though, but I've never been able to afford anything new. I say afford that's rewind that scratch that from what I just said. I've never, I can afford it. I don't want to spend that kind of money. Like I don't want a car that I'm spending, you know, four or $500 a month on. That's just my personal choice. It's a car's not that important to me though. <laughs> I feel like I have to keep justifying this only because like, I know a lot of people that listen to my podcast, you know, know me. And so I wouldn't want them going, ah, Timmy, you're, the way you're saying that makes you sound like you're dri driving an old, like Gremlin or Pinto or an old beat up car. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me clarify. I drive Lexus. So I like nice. Um, I like Lexus, but here's why I like Lexus and they should sponsor my program because I love Lexus. I think it's the best car on the planet. And here's why dependable and they go forever. Uh, my first Lexus, I had the, the LS 400. It was a 1992, I think LS 400. I put 375,000 miles on it. And then the, the speedometer, the odometer quit and I drove it for another year or so while that happened. Um, so, you know, whatever that, that is what it is, but that's what sold me on the Lexus. I thought, well, holy moly. Uh, Cause I know Lexus is the, the, the luxury version of, of Toyota. And I've, I've owned a lot of Toyotas, Toyota Camrys and all that through the years, Toyota forerunners, all that. Anyway. So, you know, I got this, um, this 1992 LS 400 from an old, I was the second owner, bought it from a grandma. She, she never really drove it. It just sat and was, it just sat forever. I mean, the tires were flat kind of, and it was just kind of had that it'd been sitting for a long time. So bought it, cleaned it up, got it all tuned up, yada, 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 drove it for many, many, many years until, until it just, it, it just started to smoke and it started to, the, the transmission started to slip. Uh, otherwise, to be frank, I'd still have that car today. I, I, if it was still running solid, I, I would still have it. Um, I have, I have no need for a brand new car. I, I still had to, some, some cassette tapes. <laughs> so the cassette tape player worked great. <laughs> anyway, uh, from, from that, I went to uh, a GS 400, a 1998, uh, GS 400, which is kind of a coveted car now for people that like to soup cars up, uh, drove that, put about 400 and I think I drove that to a little over 405, 406,000 miles on it. And like I said, I got rid of it for some reasons I don't want to discuss here, but also got rid of it just because the, the miles and just, there was a lot of reasons other than the reason I don't want to talk about. So got rid of the car. Um, and then, uh, the third Lexus I bought was another GS, uh, 400. And then, and I'm thinking to myself, do you guys even care about all this? Probably not, but Hey, it's my podcast. It's what I'm telling you. So then I bought another one. <laughs> Uh, another uh, GS 400 or actually a 430 and um, ended up getting in my first ever as a 50 year old man, my first ever little bumper bumper collision, little accident, maybe moving five, six miles an hour is very sl slow moving accident. But, but the way the other car hit me, 
it was just the way it hit me. It just happened to total uh, my Lexus because of, like I said, the the way it hit me and where it hit me, it just did enough damage to enough areas of the car that to repair it was going to be, you know, eighty percent of the value of the car. So you know, I got I got all the insurance money for that, and now da da da, I bought another Lexus and I bought a, a my new the newest car I've ever bought in my life. I bought a 2015, so a five-year-old car. It's the newest ever in my life. I've never had a car that was five years old. I've always bought cars that were six, seven, eight, nine, and older. But anyway, uh, I bought a 2015 uh, CT200H. So yeah, it's a hybrid uh, Lexus, a little hatchback. It's cute, super cute, little white car. It's so it's just adorable. It's a cute little car. It's like a little. I found out later after I bought it, which I'm not super proud of this, but it's it's the Prius frame. And it's just the Lexus luxury. So anyway, I, I, I say all that for a reason. And you know, now that I've been babbling this whole time, I really don't even know what the reason was, except for me, I just keep cars forever. That's what I was getting at is I, I would keep like this car I have now, I will literally have this until I'm a hundred years old, as long as it runs and as long as it works. I don't care about the updated technology. That 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 really doesn't mean that much to me, um, because I I personally like to drive. One of my good friends, he loves. He has a Tesla, and so he loves the automation and you know aut- autonomous driving option that he can do and all that stuff, which is cool. I, I don't think it's not cool. I just don't care about it. Um, and again, as long as I have a radio in there, I, I really don't. I really don't care. You know, I have a cell phone, so I mean, I can do everything off my cell phone that I need to do while I'm in my car. Um. So I know why I was telling you this because of of grief. So you know, there was even a little bit of a grieving process when I had to get rid of the car that I had for twelve years. <laughs> That's I told you all that for that little that little tidbit. <laughs> I swear I'm not drinking. I promise. I'm, I'm not high right now. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing anything. I, I have a cup of coffee in my hand and I'm sitting here looking out over a beautiful Creek, uh, down here in Kansas city anyway. So yes, I love cars. I like luxury. I like nice cars, but I like dependable. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Mercedes guy. I like Mercedes, but I'm not a Mercedes guy or a BMW or Audi. All those cars are, they're dope. They're dope. They're cool, man. They're, they're dope as F, but I want a car that's going to go forever. I want a car that's going to be dependable. It's going to get me where I need to go. And it's always going to get me where I need to go without ever giving me problems. And I want it to do that for a long time. So, you know, a car that you have to sell at 60, 70, 80,000 miles. I mean, that just won't work for me. My car already, I bought it at how many miles were on that thing? I think I bought it at 56,000 and uh, I've already put in one year, put like 45,000 miles on it. So it's, it's up at 90,000 miles already anyway. Okay. I'll stop talking about that, but hopefully you were entertained stages of grief. Uh, number one, denial and isolation. Um, you know, I mean, even with the whole COVID lockdown quarantine, all the things that are going on in the world today, I know a lot of people have, have, there's been a grieving process, you know, a loss of, of not just, you know, maybe career jobs, you know, I know a lot of friends that have lost their venues, lost their restaurants, lost their bars. Um, you know, their businesses are suffering. Um, you know, I, I get it. I mean, every, we're all, I mean, maybe not everybody, not everybody's suffering maybe. Um, but I, I honestly, I think, well, maybe I take that back. I think everybody might be suffering on some level because some, you know, money wise, maybe you're not suffering money wise, but you might be suffering because of the lack of social interaction, uh, maybe you're not, maybe you're still have social interaction, but you're grieving the loss of finances. So whatever, uh, I, I think that we're all being impacted in, in some way, or at least those that we, you know, we, we all know someone that's been impacted by all this and, you know, not even to mention the, the whole, you know, the health issues too. Um, but I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the, the economic crisis, um, People are more important than economics. Okay, don't worry. I know that. Uh, but I think people, uh, there are more people that have been affected by the, the economic issues than by the actual by the actual health issues. Anyway, uh, for, and I know this just from, of course, you know, because I, I can watch the news and see the numbers. Uh, but also, I just know this from my personal life. Uh, 
yes, I have had some friends get, get the Corona, get the Rona. Um, everybody I've known, everybody that I've known that got it just said it was, you know, like a bad flu. And some said it was just like a normal flu, some whatever. Um, even elderly people that I know that got it, that, you know, they've all recovered and it's fine. But I know a lot more people. Is that even a proper sentence there? I know a lot more people who have been affected economically than those that I've known that have been affected health-wise. All right. Stages of grief. Uh, number one, denial and isolation. Uh, second one is anger. Third one is bargaining. Fourth is depression. And fifth is acceptance. Um, and w w what's wild is, uh, from, from what I've studied and what I've you know heard and what, what I, I, th I think I know from just, you know, being in this kind of this world of, you know, helping people go through grief, going through my own grief and all that kind of stuff. You know, you don't necessarily go through the stages of grief in that order. You can bounce around. Um, you know, you can accept it right off the bat and then you go into denial and then you get depressed and then you actually get angry and then you start bargaining. I mean, uh, you know, you can go through those five things in, in a million, a million different ways. Um, but I, I, I do, when I, when I looked that up, I thought, yeah, that, 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 that I mean, that sounds about right. Um, and in the, in the stages of grief and, you know, the mourning, they're really, it's, it's a universal and their experience, you know, all people of all walks, uh, all the cultures, uh, experience this and, and in the response to, you know, someone, someone's loss, uh, whether again, whether it's a, a death, uh, of a person or an animal or a job or a friendship or a career or like whatever. And honestly, even if you face some kind of a grief from your own sickness, you know, I, I have known, well, I mean, my grandpa, my papa went through um, some stages of grief whenever his health began to decline. He had uh, really phenomenal health uh, pretty much his entire life up until his, uh, when he got into his 80s, you know, it, it started changing a little bit. But then I would say mid 80s is when it started definitely taking a, a turn. And I, I know, I mean, he and I went, I took him to out to eat several times and, and, you know, he, he was in his right mind, but his body wasn't keeping up. In other words, his, his mind was totally fine and wanted to do all the things that he had in his mind, but his body just wouldn't, it just wouldn't do it. Um, and I, and I knew that it was affecting him. I could tell, I mean, we, we talked about it. I asked him, was it hard to, you know, to, to be of a sound mind, but not be able to, to do all the things that he wants to do. And, and he, he said, yeah, he said, it's, it's actually, it's really tough, um, to, to have in my mind that I can go skiing, let's say, but, but I, but I can't, you know, but I, but I can't, um, so let's, let's kind of go through a little bit of the stages of grief here. And then, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I think in the second half, cause we only have about, uh, eight, about, uh, about seven minutes, uh, left of this little first uh, section here. Um, and then we'll take a little commercial break and then I'll come back and I'll kind of, uh, walk you through a little bit about my personal journey through grief and, uh, hopefully it'll give some, some perspective and maybe, you know, some help or whatever, maybe, maybe it'll do something. So the first one is denial and isolation. This is usually the first reaction to learning about, you know, either some kind of a loss or an illness or, you know, the, some kind of a, a reality change of any kind of situation. A lot of times that we, we like the internal voice is saying, this isn't happening, right? This, this can't be happening right? This, this isn't, this isn't happening. And, and that's that denial part. We just, we're like, I can't believe this, right? We just can't believe it. Um, and that's a big, I mean, it's a denial is a very common defense mechanism that really helps to, to buffer the immediate shock of the loss, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's an, an initial kind of like a numbing almost to, um, to our emotions. 
you know, we, we block out words and we, we hide from certain facts. We start to believe that life is meaningless and nothing is of any value any longer. And, um, and, and usually when we go through grief, you know, this stage is, is temporary response that kind of just gets us through that, that initial shock of what we've been told or what, or what is happening. It's kind of that, just that initial right off the bat, like, no, no, this can't be true. Like that just initial denial. And then the second one is the, the anger and, um, you know, kind of as the denial mask, you know, begins to, to wear off and, and the, you know, really the reality of the pain, you know, kind of then gets, starts to reemerge, um, you know, we're, we're really not ready for it. So then there's this, all of a sudden this switch into an intense emotion, um, that's deflected from our vulnerable core and it's redirected and expressed as anger. Like we're, we're angry and you know, that angry anger can be, uh, you know, aimed at, at inanimate objects and strangers, friends and family. You know, this is when people are, they're super edgy. They're, they, they snip and snap at you or at people and, and, you know, they can be resentful, um, you know, all those different things. And then, you know, of course, you know, we'll, we'll feel guilty about that anger, you know, um, and, and ultimately, um, you just have to let that anger flow. Um, you know, grieving, it's, it's a personal process that has, you know, no time, no limit. It has no one right way or wrong way. It, it, grief is just, it, it really is a process. It's something we have to navigate through. And when we navigate through grief, in the right way, um, we then, uh, is it uh, with the word recover or, you know, we just wouldn't, if, if we navigate correctly in the midst of grief, I think it helps the process, you know, to, to run its course, uh, in a, in a healthier way. And, you know, then, then the next phase, the number three is the bargaining, um, which is, you know, that, again, that's a normal reaction to feelings of helplessness and vulnerability is often, you know, a need to regain control through a series of if only <laughs> statements, right? Like if only we had sought medical attention sooner, only if we'd have done this, if we'd only gotten a second opinion, if we'd only tried more, if we'd only done this for them, or if we'd only recognized whatever. I, I, I know that uh, when I was married, my ex and I uh, lost our kitty cat. His name was Harley. And when Harley passed away, he died of a kidney infection uh, or kidney issues. And, you know, one, we didn't know uh, what was going on. You know, he just kept hiding from us and acting weird and, and you know, urinating on things. And, and I, and I want to say we took him to the vet early on. And then, you know, anyway... You know, had we got him in there earlier, had we done this better, maybe he wouldn't have died. You know, and you just, you, you just start. Yeah. Again, it's just, you go through that, that process of, of grieving. And then you, you, you do, you start bargaining with yourself. Um, and, and that, you know, guilt is, is tied in there. Um, I, I think this is a, a weaker line of defense to, you know, kind of to protect us from that that painful reality, you know, it's like we try to make deals with God or with higher power or whatever the hell you believe in. Um, and, and guilt often accompanies that bargaining. And so it, it, it's really, um, yeah, we start to really feel that guilt over what we think we maybe could have done different that, that could have helped, right. Could have helped save this or made that better or whatever. Um, but you know, that's, again, that's just part of the, part of the process. And the next one is depression. And there's really, you know, two types of depression that are associated with mourning or with grief or loss. And the first one is, is a reaction to the practical implications relating to the loss, you know, the sadness and the regret, um, 
you know, this is a, it's a type of, of, of depression. We, we worry about the costs of, of say of the burial, or we worry about, um, our, our own grief and we've spent less time with others and, you know, that depend upon us. And there's just all this, this grief that we, we experience. And, um, you know, often we, um, and well, yeah, we just, we start kind of beating ourselves up. And that second type of depression is that subtle one. It's perhaps the most private and, you know, and that's the one that, um, that, you know, we bid our loved ones farewell. And, you know, sometimes what we really need is, is just a hug. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. I'll come back and we'll finish up our talk on good grief. Okay. I'm back. So just so you can kind of know what it's, why I do a break at about 30 minutes in it's because I have to, <laughs> I use, uh, the program called anchor, which I love. I think it's great. Um, but it only allows you to do 30 minutes at a time. So I do a 30 minute little segment and then I have to break and then do another 30 minute segment. So like there's this little clock that's counting down and, uh, you know, as soon as it gets to like 20, 28 minutes, I'm like, ah, shoot, I gotta hurry up and get all this in, in the last couple of minutes. Ah! Anyway. So, um, I was talking about depression uh, as, as the fourth step in the grieving process. Um, you know, the, the, the depression part is definitely a, a really private. Um, a lot of times we keep that, you know, the word depression, I don't, you know, I have such mixed emotions. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to be just vulnerable here with you, I have a lot of mixed emotions of, about depression um, so please, please don't, please don't be mad at me yet. So let me, let me get all this out before you get too mad at me here. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of depression, number one. Um, and I'm not a, a fan of, of people that just use depression as a, as an excuse on why they either have done something stupid or why they've done, you know, negative behavior. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in owning up to your shit. You know, I, I don't, I don't care if you were depressed. I don't care if you were grieving. I don't care what the heck's going on. There's no excuse for negative behavior. Um, and I'm saying that to myself too. Like I'm, 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 you know, I, I can't blame my poor choices on my family, my upbringing, my, uh, you know, uh, on, on a depression or on some kind of illness or on some kind of this or that. Or now, again, it does give us context, right? Knowing that someone was depressed during the time of poor choices, again, that gives us context. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shaming. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean this to come across as a shaming thing or, or and for certain, I'm not judging anyone. Dear Lord, I can't, who can, I can't judge anybody. I just don't like when that word depression is just thrown around. I think now, can there be clinical depression where someone's needing medical? Yes. Okay. So it's outside of that. Okay. Put, put that depression aside. And I would view this almost like this again, this is just my opinion. Okay. I'm not a doctor, but when I, when I think about, depression. I, I, I look at depression much like I look at obesity, for example, most people who are obese or overweight or whatever, it's a product of their lifestyle. It, it, it's, it's a product of their lifestyle. Now I know people don't like to hear that, but that's fine. Most people don't like to take ownership for their lives, but that's the, the, the reality is most people are that who are obese. It's, it's poor choices. Not all. Okay. Not all. I know people can have thyroid issues. I, I know. I mean, so, uh, you know, trust me, it's not all, there are always exceptions to every rule, but what I think I see in the world and how I have, you know, cause I've been overweight. And so I, I've been there. I have a family, I have an uncle that was 600 pounds. So 
my father, my biological father died obese. Okay. And an alcoholic. So I, I get it. Okay. I get it. Um, but I think those that are obese and it's completely out of the control is a very small portion. Uh, and I, I should probably look this up. I'm sure there's a, a actual percentage rate of, you know, 20% of those who are obese are actually clinically, you know, whatever. I view depression much like I do obesity. I believe and view depression as lifestyle. It's your thoughts, it's your choices, it's your, it's your perspective. It's, it's all that stuff. And then there is a, 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 you know, a 20, whatever the percentage is, I don't know, but there, you know, yes, there's a 20%, you know, if a hundred people are experiencing depression, 20% of them, it's a chemical, a uh, clinical, uh, deal. It's, it's a physiological kind of a thing, but for the other you know, 80% or whatever the, whatever the percentages are, I, I didn't look this up, whatever the percentages are, I would say the majority of the percentage, the majority of those who are o- obese or who are uh, depressed, um, it's, it's lifestyle, it's choice. And so, you know, when I, when I hear people throw around, you know, I'm depressed or that kind of stuff. I, I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little, un, I, I get a little uncomfortable with that because I, I want to say, man, you know, what, what, what's your lifestyle? You know, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you drinking? What, you know, so like when I hear someone that's, you know, uh, struggling with obesity or whatever, and, and they're eating, you know, McDonald's and Taco Bell and, and Kentucky fried chicken. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, and they, and they sit around and play games and watch TV all day long, which again, if that's what you want to do. Then do it. Like I'm not, again, I don't care what people do, but what I'm saying is when I hear people using those things as an excuse, you know, I'm like, ah, I'm thinking your obesity might be all the fast food and the Krispy Kreme and the Twinkies and the ding dongs. And then the cow, you know, sitting on the couch for seven hours a day. Like I or behind a computer. Like I'm thinking that might be more the, the devil in this story than, than quote unquote, your thyroid or, or this, you know, chemical imbalance. And the reality is here's the deal. So depression, it is chemical, but food, what we drink, nutrition are all chemicals, you know, what we breathe. Um, so anyway, you know, I say all that said, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you, you're, you're, um, going through depression or, or anxiety or anything like that. I mean, I, I love working with clients that are going through those things. Cause I feel like I have a really good perspective on that and have some, you know, some things and some techniques and some lifestyle choices that I, I like to help people make, uh, to at least give themselves the best shot at, uh, relieving, uh, that, that depression. Okay, so kind of hung out on the depression one for a bit just because I, I think that's the one that I would assume people hang out in the longest when going through grief. You know, there might be the denial and anger and this and that, but then they get to that depression depression thing, and that depression is what can last years. You know, it it's subtle and and we and and people express depression in so many different ways, you know, my, my, my ex would, would probably tell you, uh, that I was going through a state of depression during or following the death of my sister. Um, you know, and I'm not big on labels and, and all that, but you know, that's probably accurate. (laughs) You know, that's probably what was, what was going on, you know, now how I expressed depression was different than how some other people express it. There's no right or wrong way to express it, but sometimes depression, you know, is, is a pulling away. Sometimes it's a negative behavior. Sometimes it's whatever. So, you know, how I expressed the depression that I was going through in this grieving process, it, for me was, was negative behavior. Um, 
and and you know it was more i i kind of bent myself towards shenanigans and and secret behavior and that kind of stuff that's what how the depression that i was going through and again that's not my excuse there's no excuse what i did was my choice i did it and that's it period full stop uh i am not by any means uh making an excuse for my behavior with i was depressed no um yes i was going through depression but no uh, that is not why I did the stupid stuff I did. I did the stupid stuff I did because I was stupid. <laughs> not that I am stupid, but you know what I mean? I was, I was making dumb choices. And in the midst of those dumb choices, I may have been going through some depression. Does that make, does that make sense? Actually, let's, what I, I think we let's, let's real quick. I, I want to, how can depression reveal itself? Um, Wow. Um, let's see. Depression can be, you know, mood swings, um, you know, feeling sad, f- feeling down. Uh, sometimes people, when they go through depression, they, they just cry. They, they, they can cry easily. Um, you know, they're cranky. Uh, they can be irritable. Um, Depression can can manifest itself in like a diminished interest, um, or, or pleasure, um, which is kind of where mine bent to is is a, a, a kind of that insatiable desire for pleasure, um, you know, lack of interest in hobbies or an over interest in hobbies. Honestly, like you just throw yourself into to hobbies, which, you know, that might not be a bad, that might be a bad, a good one to do, you know, like some of these behaviors, in my opinion, might not be all that bad. Um, but you know, whatever, whatever we used to enjoy doing, we no longer enjoy it, you know, or we go, you know, the other way and we're, we're over enjoying it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, you know, weight loss. I know that, you know, I went through the grieving process last year and I lost like 50 pounds and and if you know me, you know, I don't have 50 pounds to lose. And I, I definitely looked emaciated and definitely, in my opinion, I didn't look healthy just because I don't, I don't like the way I look when I'm super skinny. Um, but you know, I went, I went from like 195 pounds down to like 150 and maybe even lower at, at some point, you know, you just lose your appetite, right? You just completely lose your appetite. But again, like I said a minute ago, it, it can go either extreme. You can lose your appetite or you can gain an appetite. Like some people will gain weight when they're depressed. Other people will lose weight when they're depressed. Some people will get super sexual during their depression. Some people get anti-sexual, like not interested in sex at all. Um, you know, there's like a diminished interest in, in anything and everything or an over interest an excessive interest in things. Um, it can be, uh, some people, how they manifest their depression is a lack of sleep. They, you know, they, they can't sleep. Um, they're, they just feel that restlessness and, and, um, yeah, they just can't sit still, can't get quiet and, um, yeah, or, or fatigue, super tired and a loss of energy. Um, even talking is a, is a task, uh, anything like doing laundry, like people, you know, sometimes when people are going through depression, you know, their, their house is messy and their laundry is piling up and, you know, it, it just turns into, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it just, it goes either way. It's either, I guess you could, you know, the other side of it is excessive, obsessive cleaning, um, or the, the other, um, then some people experience depression in a way of the, they feel worthless. They feel uh, just lots of guilt and they're, you know, ruminating over minor failures or shortcomings. Um, and then sometimes it can lean into diminished ability to, to think or to concentrate. You know, it's very indecisive, um, it, easily distracted, memory loss. That's that's something that when people go through, it's like they're in a daze. They're lost. 
Um, or they can have like reoccurring thoughts of, of doom and gloom, you know, death and dying. And, and then, you know, this can turn a corner if, if it gets really bad is, is sometimes people can then begin to have suicidal thoughts or even contemplating suicide. And then ultimately, of course, attempting to commit suicide or the ultimate, I guess, is to commit suicide. Um, just a little vulnerable moment here. I've never been a suicidal person. Like there's two things in my life that I've always said I've never understood. Um, and, and by understanding them doesn't mean that I, well, let me just tell you what those two things are and I'll tell you what I, what I think about it. So there's, there's always been two things in my life that I've never understood. One is, um, homosexuality. And so before you go, wait, well, I thought you supported, I do, I do support homosexuality. I do support LGBT community. Uh, love is love. I support uh, gay rights. I support, I, I support all that. And, you know, I do same sex ceremonies. Um, but what I mean by that is I don't understand it. Meaning, you know, I'm heterosexual, so I can't like, I look at a man and I, I, I can't, the thought of, of being, you know, uh, physically intimate with a man, like, I couldn't, I couldn't drink enough alcohol or smoke enough weed or like, there's nothing I could do that, that would, you know, rewire me. Right. Cause you know, I'm heterosexual, which helps me understand homosexuality in the way of the same way I'm heterosexual. My homosexual friends are homosexuals. Does that make sense. In other words, how they don't understand how I want, you know, a, a woman they, they don't understand that because they they want a man. So it, it's the same. So, but that's something I just, I've never understood because I'm not wired that way. Well, the second thing that I've never understood until last year is suicide. I've never understood suicide because I've just never, I've never been suicidal, not even last year. So I'll clarify. I wasn't suicidal last year, but I'll, but I'll tell you my story. I've never ever in my life been able to understand those two things, right? Cause I've never experienced them. Well, last year going through the darkest days of my life, there were moments of never contemplating committing suicide, but that thought of, you know, if I just got cancer and died, it would just fix all this kind of a thing, you know? Um, like there was this thought of like, if I did come down with a disease and died, I guess that would just be better. Right there. So I, I never thought of hurting myself. The, I mean, I, I thought, does that make sense? Is I, 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 surely this is resonating with people that have experienced this again. I never looked at a handful of pills and thought I, I might just take this. I, that, that wasn't what I was thinking, but the idea of dying didn't seem so bad as that does to me now. Like the, I did, like, I don't want to die. And I'm one of those, I guess, weirdos that I, I want to live. Uh, I'd like to live forever. I know that's not possible, at least at this point, you know, like life expectancy is around 120 years. Uh, but I can tell you for dang sure that I definitely want to get all 120 years. I do. I'm, I'm planning on it. I'm 100%. I feel like I'm going to 100%, 100%. I'm convinced that I will at least make it to 120. And if there's some way and somehow that we've come up with some kind of science that will take it further, I'm down and I'm going to do it and I will do whatever it takes uh, to, to live as long as possible. Um, so for me to even look at death as maybe a positive to, you know, to look at death as maybe that's a way out from all of this, this shit, um, you know, it, that was just a unique place for me to be, you know, that was just cause I've never been at that place before. You know, I've been broke, I've been sad, I've been mad, I've been, you know, I've had all different kinds of emotions, um, but life has always been precious to me. It's like, man, even if I live in a van down by the river, life is good. Um, I've just always had that kind of a perspective on life. Um, but like I said, last year, you know, death, it, it, 
I, I became acquainted with death, the thought of death in a different way. It didn't seem so bad anymore. And, um, that was a scary place for me. And thankfully, you know, I talked to my counselor about, it. of course, I have some friends that I talked to them about what I was going through and, and, uh, yeah, it was a very fascinating time in my life just because I never, I never had I never could understand how someone could commit suicide. I just couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my mind around how someone could, that how could life be that bad? You know, it's like no money. Okay, fine. Like no money. You can still live right. Or this or that. It's like you lost your job. Okay. But it's not that bad. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I just never understood it again until, until last year, you know, going, going through uh, the, the loss of a relationship, going through the divorce, uh, and you know, I experienced, and this is not, again, I'm not, this isn't my excuse. I'm just t- giving you context, losing my sister, losing my grandpa, losing my job and then losing my, my relationship. And then as a, as a, as a, um, what do you call that? As a reoccurring effect, what do you, how do I say that as a. I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's, it's whenever they're talking about medications and they say, well, the side effects could be this, this, and this, and this. In other words, you know, by losing my relationship, I then also lost my, my two dogs and my cat. And, you know, it's like, and I say I lost, I, I, they didn't die. Uh, but I lost, you know, being around them all the time, you know, cause I, I moved into an apartment. I can't have, um, well, plus I think my, my ex really wanted, I think she, I, I, I'm pretty certain she wanted the cat and, and at least one of the dogs. I don't know. And, but anyway, I, I couldn't have dogs at my apartment anyway. Um, and I didn't want to take the cat from the, I, I wanted all the animals to be together. So, you know, so I made that, you know, in my mind, I made that sacrifice for the, for the furry, for the furry animals, you know, I made that sacrifice for them so they could all stay together. Um, but, you know, there was an experience of loss there. Now I can go over there and get them anytime. You know, my exes said I can go over there anytime and, and get them and, bring them over here and all that stuff. So, um, you know, but uh, sometimes that's just more of a hassle. And to be honest with you, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, this, maybe this might sound callous me saying this, but you know, my personality is also kind of like, well, you know, it is what it is. Will that, will that just make me sadder, you know, um, to, to go over and get the, get the animals and bring them over here and love on them and play with them and then have to take them back. I don't know. I, you know, um, my kids are adults. And so that's, that's a different situation. Um, so yeah, I don't know why I'm even telling you that it's probably too TMI, but, but that's just for me, you know, just going through all this grief, um, that I brought upon myself again, I just always want to make sure I, I'm, I don't, you know, I know a lot of different people listen to my podcast and some people know me, some people know my ex, some people don't know who the hell we are at all. Um, you know, I would never want anyone to, to think I'm, you know, well, that's, that's Timmy's side of the story. Then there's the other side. And then somewhere in the middle is the truth. I mean, I mean, that's true. I mean, I, that's clearly true. Right. Cause clearly I have a perspective. They have a perspective. Everybody has a, I mean, that's just the way life is. Um, I, I try to be as honest and forthright, uh, with, with what my perspective is. And of course, at the end of the day, what your perspective is, is just that it's just my perspective from my side of the street. What it looked like to me is one thing, right? So anyway, I say all that to say, you know, I'm sure I could have finagled a way to get the animals and and would have had them here, but all that, you know, but I just didn't want to, uh, I wanted to keep them all together and, and I just didn't want to mess with it, to be honest with you, you know, and I'm an animal lover, um, but, you know, I'm also, I'm not one of those people that I, I you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend $10,000, uh, medical on a, on a dog. That, that's just me. And that's no judgment on people that do. I, I, I have a friend, I have a friend that did literally spend $10,000, uh, to save his dog. And it ended up only saving the dog for another year. And then it died anyway. Um, but Hey, he did all that he could. And if he feels good about it, if he has that kind of money great. Um, I, I, you know, I just, I wouldn't want to do that. So anyway, um, what was I talking about? Okay. Depression, the way, the way depression can, can, uh, relieve itself or, you know, manifest itself, um, 
I, I think I, I think I went through most, most of the ways that, um, at least, you know, from what I've seen, how, how depression can manifest itself. I will say this. So in, in regards to depression, you know, I will say this, get, get help. Like really for real. Um, you know, whether, whether we set up some Skypes or, or Zooms or FaceTime, uh, you know, you hire me to, to work with you or you hire someone else. Um, don't, don't go through depression alone. Don't, or, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, all I can tell you is my personal story is I couldn't have done it without, you know, the counseling, the coaching and all the things that I, I did. It really helped me kind of navigate. It'd be like someone that had, that had navigated a hike before, you know, it'd be like going on a, going on a hike on a mountain you've never been on versus going on a hike on a mountain with a guide. You know, again, maybe it's more fun for you just to hike it on your own and do it on your own. I just personally think, you know, that can be dangerous, right? Because, you know, what if, what if you're experiencing a wrong emotion and you're allowing yourself, you know, you're self feeding yourself thinking it's okay. And you keep feeding on something that's not right, not healthy, not helpful. You know, you need someone to, to kind of help guide you. But again, this is just my opinion. That's just my thought. All right. And the fifth uh, stage of uh, grief uh, in the last few minutes here is acceptance. This is of course the, the final, um, I say the final, I know that we can even bounce back into the grief cycle. Um, but usually when you reach the stage of grieving, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gift that unfortunately not everyone ends up, um, getting to, not everyone gets to a place of acceptance, uh, especially when, you know, when there's a sudden death or an unexpected death, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to get beyond the anger or the denial. Um, for some people, you know, some people it's, it's really tough to get past the anger and the denial when something was unexpected. And, and you know, again, if, if you find comfort from religious things, um, that's great too. Um, you know, I've always been a seeker of truth. So I I've never really resonated with when someone passes that I need to know why, meaning why, meaning the, the deeper reason, right? No matter how someone dies, like how they die, well, they died from a drug overdose or they died from a heart attack or they died from cancer or they died from a car accident. You know, that, I mean, that's how they died. But what I mean you know, is what was God's plan? You know, some, sometimes people on the religious end get into the whole, you know, God has a plan and, you know, whatever. Again, if that, if that brings you some kind of comfort, great. You know, for me that, that doesn't bring me any comfort uh, at all, actually, because I don't believe that God is in heaven um, killing people, you know, or taking people, whatever you want to say it. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't view God like that. So, you know, when someone dies, if someone dies of cancer, then like, well, I wonder why they died. They died because of cancer. Like that's it. They, they, that's life. That's cancer is a part of life and you die from it sometimes. And that's it. Uh, God didn't need another angel. God didn't need another voice in the choir. God didn't, you know, wasn't taking that person early to save them from something, you know, and here's why I think that. And I know that because the, the, the Bible does teach that God is no respecter of persons. Okay. Here's the theological perspective on this for me, that since God is no respecter of persons, again, just using the Bible here, that would then therefore mean if he's going to take someone early from this earth to save them from some tragedy, then don't you think you ought to probably take everybody that's going to experience some kind of tragedy, take them early? See, it doesn't even make sense, right? That, that completely breaks down logically. That doesn't make any sense that because God is no respecter of persons. So God's not going to look down on the earth and go, Oh, Sally was going to be in a, you know, going to suffer a, a terrible death of cancer. So, you know what? I'm going to kill her in a car accident. Okay. That is the most asinine theological perspective I've, I've ever heard before in my life. 
And I, I do not agree with it. I do not resonate with it. I do not think it's accurate. I think it's 100% wrong. Um, people die because that's what people do is, is they die. And so getting to a place of acceptance of just accepting it is what it is. Death is a part of life. It is a part of life. Um, and it, it's something that just must, must be accepted. People live, people die, people are born, people are buried. I mean, it, it, that is life. Now it's extremely unfortunate when it happens prematurely and unexpected, uh, or in a tragic way, of course, it, it's never, it's never, um, I don't think death is really ever welcomed, even when people are elderly. Now, maybe, you know, maybe if they've lived a really full life, you know, and they're way up in their nineties or even they get people get into their hundreds, you know, then at that point, I think everybody's waiting for them to die at that point. Like, man, you're living a long time, right? You beat all the odds. All right, guys, I hope this little, this little, uh, episode today on good grief, uh, gave you a perspective, gave you some thoughts and ideas on how to handle your own grief, grief. God bless you guys. I'll see you soon. Peace.